Good morning. So we open up in prayer. Father, we just want you to know how much we love you. We love you, Jesus, and we love you, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence. We thank you, Father, for your word that is alive. We thank you, Father, for your word that brings change and hope and deliverance, healing and life to those who hear. We thank you, Father, that your word doesn't return void, but accomplishes a mighty work in the ears of a hearer. And I thank you, Father, that you meet every need, every need that we have, every need that we have. I thank you, Father, that Jesus paid the price for us to be healed, whole, delivered, free, and at peace in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, I'm for some time I have been um, uh, thinking about this Sunday being Palm Sunday and next Sunday, of course, being Easter Sunday. And um, I have been looking at that for some time, knowing that I wanted to do communion. And um, so I believe that what we're going to do is I, I, I have uh, divided up the lesson today in, in seven, seven different parts. And it's all around communion. And um, the first part is uh, the background a little bit on that. Second part is preparing for communion. And I want to... I wanted to share this part with you because I want you to take this next week to prepare yourself for communion. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, and next week when we do do communion, if you have, if you are able to get a, a grape juice and um, a wafer or just a piece of bread, and, and if you don't have any grape juice or, you're can't, or you can't get out, you can just use any kind of juice or j- just some water. And so we, we are going to be taking communion next week um, after the message is done. At the end of the message, we'll, we will take communion. And so I just wanted everybody to be aware of that. The next category, the third one is uh, we'll be talking about the bread and what it signifies and the cup, uh, which represents the blood. Then there'll be the, the, the fifth category is promises, the promises that, that we receive when we take communion or because of the price that Jesus paid. Um, also, the n- number six, um, after um, we have a, a knowing of, after we keep in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, then it's, it's as after we put that into remembrance by, by taking communion, there should be a time of, of glory, of praise and worship and thanksgiving to uh, the Father for sending the Son and, and thanksgiving to the Son for the terrible price He paid for us so that we can live a victorious life in Jesus' name. And then the, the last category, of course, will be taking communion. And so we'll be doing that and stepping that off next week. Okay, so the first, well, let me first uh, tell the youth the life-changing challenge, number nine. And next week will be number 10. And that was the last one that there was to be next week. And then uh, we'll have some time there where you can um, get them to Ryan when we come together again. So um, the life-changing challenge number nine for the youth is I had you memorize the 23rd Psalm two Sundays ago. And, um, and then I had last Sunday asked you to memorize the Lord's Supper, which... W- or not the Lord's Supper, excuse me. I'm ahead of myself here. But memorize the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew 6, 9. And so what I'd like you to do for the life-changing challenge this week is to um, write down on a piece of paper the similarities between the two, the things that are similar between those two things that you memorized the Lord's Prayer, and then the 23rd Psalm, the similarities between the two. And be sure and um, sign your name, have your parents sign their name, and then um, get it to Ryan whenever we see Ryan next. Okay? Thank you. All right. So, and if you have any questions, be sure be sure and get a hold of me on those if there's any, any questions or concerns. Okay. Let's go on now. We'll get started with the message. And uh, it's going to be around communion. And, of course, we're going to be talking about um, the Lord's Supper. We're going to, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit right now about the history or um, the background, history, background, however you want to put that. And um, 
just uh, first of all, just a few few things about communion, then we'll get into the background. Um, communion, when you take communion, it should be it should be a, a special time of fellowship with God, with God your Father. He's your Father, and and it should be a special time of fellowship with Him, knowing the price, the tremendous price that Jesus paid on the cross for you, the tre- tremendous price. I, I was hoping to have been able to show the passion. I don't know how many of you remember that movie, The Passion, that was out that Mel Gibson did a number of years back. But it was um, very real, very, very real to the price, the things that Jesus went through, the, um, you know, the beatings, the stripes on his back, the, the thorns, you know, being pushed down his head and, you know, just bleeding everywhere, just just bleeding everywhere. And all of that was done on your behalf and on my behalf. Anyway, so communion should be a special time of fellowship with God your Father. And when I, when I say that, you know, when I was first born again at a young age, I was in a denominational church, and they would, they would have communion. And so it was explained, you know, what, what we were doing. And I remember taking that, uh, that time. We would go up front and kneel on the altar, and um, you would get your... Um, bread and you get your wine or grape juice and in you were to take that time there to fellowship with God and find out if there was any anything between you and him in your relationship with him if there was any sin if there was anything that you had done or said wrong or thought wrong if there was anything that was hindering you from having a, a a, f- a relationship with your father, having a um, that freedom on the inside, that relationship, knowing that that everything's okay and everything's right, and and you have a right standing position, and and so there was that special time for me, and I remember going to the altar and, and spending time, and it didn't matter, it didn't matter to me if, if people were coming and going. <laughs> I needed to stay right there before the Lord until I knew that I had dealt with everything that needed to be dealt with and that I had a right um, attitude, a right heart, um, and, and at peace with my relationship with the Lord. And, and I just want to encourage you, that's really important. And really take some time this week to get before the Lord and find out. Talk to him. Find out if there's areas that you need to correct in your life or straighten up in your life. It's really important to not be coming before the Lord to take communion in a sin area. And we'll be talking about that a little bit more. Okay, um, let's see. Another thing that I wanted to share with you about communion is that communion can be taken any time at home, any place, at church, at home, with family. It can be by yourself um, and as often as you want, as often as you want to take communion, as often as you want to that's and another thing um so many times now i mean i think it's done don't let it become a ritual don't let it become just a something you you think you have to do i think that's happened a lot in the church and churches at large it's become a ritual it's there's there's not that oneness between you and the father and it's not that time special time taken to just really commune with him and find out what you need to change in your life and so it becomes just a a ritual to go get your bread and go get your 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 cup and and do that which we're supposed to do and it doesn't mean anything but it should mean something to us as 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 the church and as a believer okay so it's not a ritual don't forget that it is an important step an important thing to do in your life in your in your walk with the Lord, it's important. And communion is one of the ways. Uh, there's a, a number of different ways we can receive healing, but communion is is a way that we can receive healing. And so, we'll, again, we'll talk about that probably next week in the promises. We'll we'll be talking about that. Um, let's start out by looking at. Uh, Luke twenty two nineteen. Let's go to Luke twenty two nineteen. 
And and actually, we're going to just stay in Luke twenty two nineteen. Um, you can see the, and you can write these scripture verses down if you'd like, and go to that later. But um, this is this is where Jesus was um, giving communion and um, to his disciples. And so this one, I picked this one because it had the part of of doing um, doing it in remembrance of him. And I wanted you to see that Matthew twenty six. And 28, verse 28 is another place where communion was given to the disciples. And then Mark 14, 24. But Luke 22, 19 is the only one um, that says to to keep it, to bring it to, um, bring it, well, let's see, we'll get to that. Where is that at? Um, it says in verse 19, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so when we take a, um, the body or when we do communion, we do it in remembrance of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. We do that in remembrance. And when we when we can keep that before us, it keeps us, it kind of keeps, not kind of, it keeps us on a, a steady, a steady course with him. Because we recognize and we realize if we can keep that in our remembrance, the price that he paid for us, the price that he paid for us, and that that automatically, for me, I don't know, it makes me want to walk right with him, knowing what he did, what he did for me on the cross. And so I, I just want to encourage you that, um, that it's important to do this in his remembrance. It brings it, every time we... We step out and do the communion, and, and we take we take the the bread and the drink the blood. We're doing it in His remembrance. We remember what He did, what price He paid for us, and and that is so important to our walk. To not forget what what He did. To not forget it. To not forget it. It's the crust of of our salvation. Amen. Okay, so uh, communion. Um, communion um, is remembering that Jesus delivered us from sin, keeping in remembrance. Jesus delivered us from sin. So if you can, if you can keep that before you, so many people they got flesh issues that they can't quite deal with the the sin area. If you can recognize the fact that Jesus took that away from you, he. He bore the sin on the cross. He bore it on the cross. He took your sin. And if you recognize and remember, do it in remembrance of him, you recognize that if he took that sin, you don't have any more. You don't have that sin. And so that that encourages you to walk free from that sin because you don't have it. So we need to do this all in remembrance of him. Okay. Um, uh in remembrance that he delivered us from sin, Jesus purchased divine healing, limitless provision, shattered the power of death, and delivered us from the prison of darkness. Jesus didn't pay the price on the cross for us to remain in sin and sickness and torment and fear. He paid that price so that we can be free. From sickness and disease, torment, fear, guilt, condemnation, all kinds of sin. He paid the price so that we could be free from that. Okay? It's like, um, use this as an example. It's like if, if someone gave you a gift card and, and on that gift card, it, it was limit, limitless. All kinds. I mean, there wasn't any limit to the amount that you could spend, but you didn't know that. If you didn't know that, this gift card, and you didn't know that you could go buy um, your clothing and your food with that gift card, you thought maybe it was just used to um, purchase gas. And so so you can see the example when we don't have an understanding of what the, what the price was that Jesus paid and what communion does and what the remembrance of communion does and that we can receive all kinds of 
healing and provision and everything that uh, all of our needs met. If we don't know that, then we're not ever going to, we're not ever going to apply that in our life. Okay. We're not ever going to put it to work in our life. We're not going to receive the benefits of that. Just like if you had that, that gift card and you didn't know that you thought the only thing you could buy was gas, you're not going to receive the benefits of what that card was really there for. That card was there to meet every need that you have. Just like the, the death, burial, and resurrection and the price that Jesus paid on the cross is there to meet every need that we have. It's there to meet every need that we have. Amen? Okay. Okay, so, so that happens because we don't understand what the cross, redemption, or communion are all about. Amen? We don't understand that. And so we're going to, that's why we're taking some time to really um, uh, spend time and and actually understand the background of communion, uh, the benefits, the promises, and taking communion and the bread and the the wine. And so, okay, so let's um, talk a little bit about um, Passover in the Old Testament is where we're going with that next. And um, let's see. Um, let's look at, um, I think, let's see. Let's go to, let's see, should we go to, Ex- let's go to Exodus. Well, you don't need to turn there, I guess. But Exodus 12 is where it talks about the, you know, the Passover where the children of Israel were delivered from the hand of Pharaoh. And, and he was such a tyrant in Egypt. And you remember the Israelites were living in slavery and uh, God wanted to free them. So he sent Moses as his messenger. However, the Egyptian Pharaoh did not want to lose his slaves and refused to let them go. Every time I see that, that let them go, I think of, I think of the Ten Commandments, the movie, you know, let my people go. Anyway, so God sent nine plagues to convince Pharaoh to let his people leave, but Pharaoh wouldn't listen. He didn't want to have anything to do with that. He kept poo-pooing God and God. And so God sent one, one last plague. And that plague was uh, on the firstborn male in every family was to die on a specific night. And the only way to escape this plague was to put the blood from a male lamb on the sides and the top of the outside door of the house. And when the death angel saw the blood, he would pass over the house and everyone inside would live. And so as we see the, with the first Passover, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb preserved the lives of the Israelites. The Israelite, of course, the firstborn. So the, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb preser- preserved the lives of the Israelite firstborn, preserved them, okay, by by the blood being over the doorposts. And, and so then when the death angel came, the, he passed over. It was, a, it was representative of protection for them. He passed over, okay? Um, and so let's see. Um, okay, Jesus, the Israelites' deliverance, required the blood of a lamb, just as um, Jesus uh, was, um, was to be, became our Passover lamb. Um, he was, let's look at 1 Corinthians 5, 7, shall we? 1 Corinthians 5, 7. And we're going to start, well, let's see, I think we're going to start, let's start with this one first. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. I'll probably do several scripture verses here, but First Corinthians five seven talks about um, clean out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. For Christ, our Passover has also been sacrificed, and and um. So basically, it's just getting rid of the sin. The leaven is representative of of sin, and the leaven is being removed, and so that we then um, become a brand new 
um, creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, new things have come. And so we're going to look at some more scripture verses around that, Jesus being the lamb. And um, let's see here. Okay, let's look at, let's look at, um, let's see. First John, or not first John, John one twenty nine. Let's look at John one twenty nine. John one twenty nine, let's see. Okay. So we can we can say more accurate, accurately that the Passover lamb of the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. And this is what John the Baptist called him in, in John one twenty nine. John the Baptist, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, and then let's um, look at First uh, Peter. First Peter one nineteen. Okay. And if you remember it in the Old Testament, in Exodus, we didn't go there, but it was Exodus twelve that. Um, well, I think it was the first part of Exodus 12, and then later on it talks about, you know, the, the plague and stuff. But and I think it was Exodus 12, 5, I believe, where it talks about that they needed to get a lamb that was um, um, a lamb that, that was spotless and no blemish or spotless. Anyway, this here in, in um, 1 Peter 1.19 but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So the comparison there was that the redemptive work was done um, on our behalf through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The blood was shed for us by um, a spotless lamb. Uh, he had no sin. Jesus had no sin, and he was a spotless, spotless and, and, um, and no blemish. And so he he was sacrificed on our behalf, and and we were delivered in Jesus' name. Our sin was removed from us because of the precious blood of Jesus. And so we can look at you can see the similarities between the the Passover when when um, the price was paid uh, for um, the Israelites to be delivered from the from Egypt. Egypt is a is a type of sin. So Israelites were delivered from Egypt and brought into a place, and they were headed to the promised land, but they were brought into a, a place of freedom. And so um, we can see that same thing in the in the death burial, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that Jesus was a, a lamb that went to the slaughter on our behalf and brought us into a place of freedom as well. Amen taking away the sins of the world. Okay, so let's go um, back to some more of the... Um, Jesus became our Passover lamb. And today we take communion to remember that spiritual deliverance from the bondage of sin by the blood of Jesus. Um, communion could be called um, the New Testament Passover. And I know this year um, our Easter and Passover land in, in a similar time. Passover is usually a few more days, but uh, they, they land at the same time. So it, it's interesting that um, communion can be called the New Testament Passover for us. This began when Jesus shared his last meal with his disciples. Um, Jesus was crucified and became the Passover lamb that we needed to be cleansed from all unrighteousness and walk free from sin. And um, 
again, just as the children of Israel observed the Passover to celebrate their deliverance from Egypt, we take communion to celebrate our deliverance from sin and the consequences of sin. So um, let's look. Um, uh, we talked about this already, but I think let's, let's turn to Exodus 12, 13. Let's, let's do look at that. And we can actually see that now. The price that Exodus twelve thirteen, and the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Amen. No plague. No plague. Psalm ninety one says, No plague will come nigh your dwelling. Well, the reason no plague can come nigh your dwelling is because you're in the protective place that Jesus paid the price for you to be in. You're in that you're in that in Christ position in that protective place that he paid a price for so that we could walk in it. Okay. Um, When we accept now that when we accept Jesus as our, our savior, his blood and the blood of the lamb is applied to our lives, just like they applied it to the doorposts in the Old Testament. It's applied to our lives. And when when judgment comes or passes over us, it, when it comes, it will pass over us because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Okay. Um, let's look at Matthew 26 now. Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 27 and um, 28. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. So, so we, we can see here that the blood is poured out for many, not just one or two, but for many, for everyone, for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and then it goes on to say, But I say to you in verse 29, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Um so also, Jesus knew that when he was offering the disciples the bread, he knew that that was his body that would be beaten, pierced, mutilated. And he offered the cup, the cup. Uh, Jesus knew that that represented his blood then being poured out. So Jesus knew all that when he gave, broke the bread. And the breaking of the bread signifies or is an example of the, his body being broken. And bruised and mutilated, mutilated. Um, uh, let's look at Isaiah. As long as we're on that word, mutilated. Isaiah twenty fifty two fifty two. Isaiah fifty two. I'm getting there. Here we go. Isaiah fifty two, verse fourteen. Fifty two, verse fourteen. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. I think, um, um, I don't know if there's another, if the King James says this or if it's amplified, but he, he was unrecognizable. Jesus was unrecognizable. And, um, you know, after they got done beating him, and um, scourging him, scourging him. Um, he was unrecognizable. Um, and so just by me saying that to you, you can understand that um, he bore a lot of stripes for us. Um, and we can, we'll look at probably Isaiah 53. It talks about the stripes and the um, being bruised. And we'll, that will be part of next week's lesson. But um, but anyway, um, when the hour finally arrived, Jesus was mocked. He was beaten, scorned, 
all the forces of hell were leashed, unleashed against him. And, and like I said earlier, can you picture him standing there with that? You know, they pushed that crown of thorns down on his head. And the, and the thorns, we're not, we're not talking about a little thorn on a rose. The thorns were probably two or three inches long. And they pushed that down on his head or into his head. Into his head, causing blood to stream down his forehead and dripping even onto the floor, let alone his back being cut in shreds, almost shreds, ribbons, you know, from the stripes that they laid upon him. There was um, a thir- 39 stripes uh, that were laid upon him. And um, he stood, he stood and he, he, he laid down his life willingly. And he, he went to Calvary on behalf of you and me. And um, then, of course, there you know that he, they nailed him to the cross. And um, he stood. He walked that out. He willingly laid down his life and experienced the pain and the suffering so that you can have, John 10, 10 you can have abundant life. You can have it abundantly and, and more. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but we Jesus came that we can have life. There, I got it right. And life more abundantly. Jesus paid the price so we can have life more abundantly. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He laid it. He laid his life down willingly. Willingly. That's what we need to keep in remembrance. That he willingly did that for you and me. He carried it to the cross for you and me. He carried every sickness. Every sickness. Every sickness and disease, he carried it to the cross. He carried fear and torment to the cross. He carried uh, discouragement and and um, depression and mental anguish and sadness and grief. He carried it to the cross. He carried it so you don't have to carry it anymore. And you know it becomes a slap in his face when you carry that stuff. Worry has been nailed to the cross. Care and anxiety has been nailed to the cross. It becomes a slap in his face. A slap in his face when you carry all that stuff. When you carry the sickness and disease yourself. When you carry the torment yourself. When you carry the fear yourself. When you carry the cares of this world yourself. When he paid such a price to carry it to the cross. A slap in his face. If nothing else, that should make you stop doing it when you recognize that he'd already done it for you. If nothing else. Okay. um, Jesus' death. That was God's divine plan to deliver us from Satan. Um, Satan came into the garden. And actually, when he came into the garden, he deceived Eve and Adam. He deceived them and stole man, stole man from God, stole him. And, and so God needed to pay a price. He needed to pay a redemptive price to, to get us back. And, of course, that word redeemed is um, to buy or pay off, uh, to buy back, save someone from sin. The word redeemed is um, to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment, uh, to pay or to clear a debt. Um, the price was the death of his son. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Amen. Let's look at, um, I'm turning over here to First Corinthians 6.20. 1 Corinthians 6.20. And this is just a first six, first Corinthians 6.20. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You have been bought with a price. Again, again, why do you carry sickness and disease? Why do you carry fear and torment? Why do you carry anger and rage? Why do you carry those things? Jesus took that on the cross. Amen. Amen. So, so anyway, um, God, 
sent his son and, and bought us back so that we could live a life here as if we were in the Garden of Eden. All of our needs met, no sickness, no disease, free from every torment, free from every anger, every rage, free from every care and anxiety that this world wants to bring. And you know what? And death has no sting. Death has no sting. It's been, it, we, we have the victory over death. Amen? It's, death has been shattered. So all of that, all of that has been given to us in Jesus' name. Okay, so let's see here. Um, uh, freedom for us is, is so valuable because of the price that is, pay, is paid to obtain it. Freedom is established for us by the blood. The children of Israel were delivered by the blood of a sacrificial lamb. Our nation's freedom was purchased by the blood of our soldiers. And our spiritual freedom is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's own son. Amen. So, and then, um, so true freedom in that aspect, true freedom means being set free, like we were just talking about, from sin, sickness, and spiritual death. Freedom means to enjoy real life, real life, the God kind of life. Amen. Again, back to John 10, 10. The the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay. Um, Each one of us, I mean, each one of us, because of the sin, we should have been required to die on that cross instead of Jesus. But Jesus paid that sacrifice for us so that we wouldn't have to pay that penalty. And he was the only one that could pay that price to bring bring redemption to everyone. Everyone. Redemption to everyone in this world. I don't care who they are or what they've done. They all have a right to that redemptive work. Now, whether they receive it or not, that's their choice, but they all have a right to it. Amen? Okay, so we take communion. We're not only looking back at the remembrance of what Jesus did, which is really important. We need to keep that before us, just like the Pharisees or the, not the Pharisees, but the uh, priests did. And, and I think it was the priests. They they would ha- write things and hang it down in front of them so they could see it before them all the time. And so we we need to keep those things Looking back, we need to keep that remembrance, the price that Jesus paid. But looking forward to when he returns, we need to look forward to his return. But at the the same time, we're looking back in remembrance, but we're not living back there, but we're looking back in remembrance, but we're looking forward to his return. So, So while we're looking forward to his return, we need to occupy while we are here, the word says. I don't have that scripture verse in front of me, but we're supposed to occupy while we're here. That means to do the work of the Lord while we're here. That's our, that's our, our foremost instruction. I mean, not mother's commandments, but to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But we're all, we're supposed to do, let's look at Mark 16. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And, and if you know me, you know, I talk this all the time. So Mark 16. Mark 16. This is, um, Mark 16. Or 15, I'm sorry, 15. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking. This is the great commission. The great commission? The great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay, so 15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation all creation 
So, you know, when we are taking communion, what we're doing is we're, we're um, again, making a statement of what price Jesus Christ paid. So we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make a statement to those that don't believe of the price that Jesus paid on our behalf. Everyone has a witness or a testimony that they can share with someone. They can, they can share something that they experienced, you know, in God delivering them out of a, a tough situation or how he healed, healed you of something or how he met a need that you had. We all have a witness or a testimony so we can go into all the world, preach the gospel, and we can share with them the redemptive work, the price that Jesus paid on the cross so that that person that you're talking to can receive that redemptive work on, on their behalf. Amen. Amen. So, so we have an opportunity and we have a privilege and an honor and we have a purpose and a destiny that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That is our job here. That is our job here. Okay. That's our job. All right. Um, so I guess I see my notes. I am ahead of my notes and I'm behind some other places. But anyway, um, Mark 16, we just read that. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you have to, I know my husband, if he was here, he'd tell this story. He, he was, uh, he didn't want to get saved because he didn't want to have to go to Africa and preach the gospel. He just put that off and put that off. And finally he gave his heart to the Lord and, um, he came to a place where he wanted to go to Africa when him and Rochelle went to um, Africa. I think it was in 2004. But anyway, I kind of laughed at that because he didn't want to get born again because he did not want to go to Africa. But you don't have to be a missionary. But you can reach your family. You can reach the people you work with. You can reach that person that's checking out um, at the supermarket, even if they got a big, thick, glass in front of them now you can still reach them and um anyway you can still reach those people that that god has put in your path whether it you know it can be your next door neighbors and there's uh lots of ways that you can open up a conversation about jesus you can ask them if you can ask them just talk to them and fellowship with them take them some cookies whatever you need to do but you can open up an opportunity to share the gospel amen Okay, so um, let's see. Okay, let's, um, again, I want to talk about um, let's see. We're going to go in, we're going to talk now a little bit about making sure you're ready to ready yourself for communion. Then next week we'll finish up by Talking about the bread, the cup, the promises. Um, we'll give glory to God. We'll spend some time giving glory to God. And then we'll actually take communion. So so that way, if if we would be back in church next Sunday, if we would be, that's where we'll pick everything up. We will actually do communion together. Uh, if not, we're going to do communion as if we are together. So I just encourage you to make sure you have your stuff ready. And um, uh, we'll do do that next week. Okay, let's look at back, go back to, I think we were here once, but let's go back to 1 Corinthians 11, chapter 11, 27 through 30. Well, actually, we're going to start with 18. But th this is um, ready yourself. This is how I title this, ready yourself for communion. And that's why I want to give you plenty of time this week so that you can get before the Lord and, and check your heart, check your position with him. Um, 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. Um, I think one translation talks about cliques, uh, fractions. Um, a lot of times those happen because there's, there's envying and strife, and this person has has this opinion, that person has that opinion. But you know what? As the body of Christ, we're supposed to be walking in love. It doesn't matter whether you're right or not right about your opinion. It doesn't matter. What matters is that love is a dominant position in your walk. That's what matters. It doesn't matter if you're right 
Doesn't matter one bit. Mm -mm. And so, so that's one thing. Check your heart. Make sure you, you aren't bringing division anywhere. You're not, not necessarily in church. It can be a division in your home. It can be, um, um, strife in your family or strife with a friend or whatever it is. Uh, just make sure, uh, you, you clear yourself of that. Um, verse 19, for there must also be factions among you in order that those who are approved may have become evident among you. Um, um, also, let's see, verse 20, therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's supper for in your eating, each one takes his own supper first and one, one is hungry and another is drunk. What do you not have houses in which to eat or drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I will not praise you. So amongst some of those things, you know, in, in looking at different translations, you, you can see this right here in the New American Standard. It's not real obvious, but you can see that, you know, um, communion, again, we talked about this earlier, isn't celebrated as a ritual. It, it should be a, a real thing to you. It's a, it's a real thing. It's a heartfelt thing. It's a, it's a knowing the price that Jesus paid. And you come in a humble position wanting to acknowledge, uh, wanting to acknowledge the price he paid. And that you you um, uh, love him and respect him and and um, exalt him for what he did. Um, also, um, and and you don't treat communion as just another another meal, just another snack. We're having a snack. You don't you don't treat communion that way. So, and and you don't um, have an irreverent attitude towards God. Or the church, you don't disrespect the poor or the needy. You can check all these things as I uh, speak them out. Let's go on with verse 20, 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. And that is probably the main thrust that I'm getting to. I mean, I was reading some of these other things, uh, um, and we'll get back to that. But the main thing that I want to get across to you is you, you, um, you have to judge yourself rightly. You have to uh, examine yourself. You have to judge yourself. You cannot take communion and, and um, be holding a a sin uh, or a grudge or uh, unbelief um, and not not uh, see the importance of the Lord's body and the blood, okay? Um, you really need to judge yourself and make sure you're in a right standing position with the Lord. It's very important and you're not in a sin. You're not in sin. Not in sin. And if you need to, uh, um, there's, I think, about four places in the New Testament that lists out the sins. Galatians 5.19 is one place. I think it's 5.19 is one place, or maybe it's uh, 19, 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there. It talks about the, the sin areas, you know, drugs, uh, uh, fornication, adultery. Um, um, uh, there's all kinds of um, uh, well, let's just look at that real quick. Galatians 5:19, and like I said, there's there's several different places that you can you can go to, and and look. Um, I'm sure you could find them if you ran a concordance through, or just look at the in your Bible. There's places where I'm just going to read now, where you'll see there's some references, and the, that would be other places where you would see a list of sin. Um, verse 19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, carousing, things like these of which I forewarned, just as I have forewarned you that these 
Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so you can't be practicing these things and take communion either. You'll cause, there'll be, you'll cause uh, damnation and judgment to come upon yourself if you do. So um, I, I would get it right before you take communion. And, and do not take communion if you're not born again. Don't take communion if you're not born again. If you have, uh, if you need um, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you need to make a confession of faith, if you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, and and you can you can use that, that scripture verse in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Um, let's see, I'm just turning there now to read it to you. Um, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So it's important. Um, if you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, if you haven't accepted him, uh, do that before you take communion. Do not take communion if you haven't. Okay, and then First um, John 1, 9 says to confess your sin to the Lord. Make sure there is nothing hindering your fellowship with God. Um, if, if you... You can turn over to 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you, God is, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Receive the forgiveness and receive the cleansing when you repent of the sin. Amen? So there's um, unbelief. Uh, we listed a lot of them in, in Galatians five nineteen, um, And so make sure you, you check yourself. Check your relationship with the Lord. Make sure you're in a right standing position. Okay, so there's a few few last minute things here, and we're about done. Um, if you if you have not, if you know you're in sin and you're unwilling to confess that sin, or you don't want to deal with it right now, do not take communion. Please do not do that. Um, again, you know it, it's it's really important to. Um, um, walk out what he said to do in his word. Um, also, if there's a lack of appreciation for the depth of suffering that Jesus endured to save us, there should be that appreciation and that respect, that honor that's due him. Okay. Um, uh, and having having faith and having, being able to believe that what Jesus did on the cross, having faith in what he did on the cross when you have faith in what he did on the cross, then you're going to reap the promises and the benefits of that. Amen? Um, so you want, to, you want to receive, by faith, all that the communion table represents, which we're going to talk about next, next week. Um, do communion in remembrance of what Christ did. Um, keep what, what he did before you, and do not forget um, and always receive. Do not forget and always receive. Okay, so that was kind of a quick rundown of the last the last few things there, but basically just just um, get your relationship with the Lord right before we take communion next week. Love Him if you're loving Him and serving Him, um, you'll have that right. If you if you need to do uh, repent, uh, do First John one nine. If you need to get born again. Romans 10, 9, and 10. And God loves you, and, and I love you, and I just ask you to um, take to heart the things that Jesus did for us and serve him in Jesus' name. Amen.